Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This podcast is brought to you by Wine Access, our exclusive sponsor. I've been doing a lot of planning for the wine club this year. If you are not signed up, do it today. Wineaccess.com slash normal. Wineaccess.com slash normal. First shipment is coming soon, and it is epic. In fact, all of the four shipments are incredible. Listen in the middle of the show for more details. We had two great shows to kick off 2024. And now we get to the bad one. (laughs) (laughs) MCIs, we can always rely on you to really frame the issue. Thank you. I like to think of these episodes as the more practical ones. You know, we have several different episode types. Over 500 episodes, we have come up with various types. Of course, there's the guest podcast. There's the great Great miniseries, the regions Mm -hmm. and the greats. And and then we have general shows and things on industry topics. There's a lot of different shows. But I like to think of this kind of show, even though it is an extension of the great miniseries, because we are doing the Alternatives 2 series this time. This is on Alternatives to Grenache or Garnacha. I don't know why you'd want an alternative to that, but... This is a fantastic series suggested by a patron. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that if you're in love with this grape, you want to keep having more of it. However, I think that it would be good to know what else is out there. No, Just that's like true. I love Riesling, but it, right. it is nice occasionally to have it an Albarino. things up a little bit, right? Right. And I think that sometimes we get stuck in our ruts. So... As part of the Alternatives 2 series, and we've done Cabernet, we've done Chardonnay, we've done Riesling, Pinot, this is another one. And I think that Grenache right now is kind of having a moment, honestly. Mm -hmm. Wine is very fashionable and trendy. Grapes come in and out of style. In fact, I thought about doing an episode of the most out-of-style grapes. I'm still thinking about doing it, right? Yeah, I'd vote for that. If you guys like that idea, drop me a line, let me know. I think we drink some of them. Sure. Is the Concord grape on there? I don't think, I think we're going to stick with vinifera for this. The hybrid grapes are a little bit lower down in terms of popularity. If we just did the five or 10 least fashionable grapes, and Scott Ryder, this is for you, not Pinotage. Okay, Mm -hmm. but things that aren't in style right now, but that they should be. Right. Let's talk about the alternatives to Garnacha. Grenache and Garnacha are the same grape. Right. I think a lot of people are really getting into this grape, both in blends and on its own. Spain has done a very, very good job of pushing this particular grape, getting it to be popularized. I do want to say the Wines of Spain class, still a few spots available. We will be tasting a Garnacha because we're tasting Priorat. And I'll just give the plug for winefornormalpeople.com slash classes. It is really important to understand that this grape originated in Spain and it spread as a result of the crown of Aragon, one of the Spanish kingdoms. Right. Can you give an, a brief summary of the characteristics of Garnacha or Grenache? Grenache, absolutely. I think most people call it Grenache. Okay. But you should, if you have not noticed it and you like Grenache and Cote or Chateau Neuf de Pop or things like that, and you know what Grenache is, 
and you see garnacha on the shelf in the Spanish section, go for it. They're the same, just like Syrah and Shiraz Mm -hmm. are the same. It's important to know that Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris, although they are different styles. In those cases, in Shiraz and Syrah, they use it to connote different styles. This is just literally a language difference. One is Spanish and the other one is French. Most people take the French naming convention if it says Grenache, though, G-A-R-N-A-C-H-A, that is Grenache. Got it. Actually, before we go any further, I need to do a quick round of patron shout outs. Oh, good. Have we had, love patrons. Oh, my gosh. So much great stuff on Patreon this year. And if well, you have Well, you just hung out joined, with some patrons. Let's just say this, guys. We've become friends with some patrons, and they are really good friends, but you know what? They started out as patrons. Right. And last weekend, we shared a 2015 oh Chateau d'Ampuy Cote Roti with them, the Stalema Mastro Berardino, which I've been talking about as one of the best wines, and a Vili Schaefer. And you were right. A Vili Schaefer Riesling. And these are some of the best wines that I had in my collection finally that are ready I, now I've been staring at them for years right but this is what happens we're doing more meetups i bring wine to some of these things we meet with other people in the community it's pretty awesome so it is patreon.com slash wine for normal people and because they help keep this podcast alive and we love them so much we must give them I mean, shout that was, outs that was one of the best wine nights i've ever had i know you keep talking about it oh, it's just yeah. so good okay so mimi m steven s kim s virginia b julio abrigo julio is going to be on the show so exciting to have him he is a dolcetto producer in diano Dalba and makes fantastic wines. And oh my gosh, the hazelnut spreads that they make. Oh, so good. Anyway, Pre-T-S, Marissa, Sherry G, Majose R, Ian W, George R, Maurice B. Hi, Maurice, you're fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Brentley C. Thank you all so much for being patrons. And if you want to join patreon.com slash wine for normal people and see what this community is about, it is awesome. So awesome. All right, Garnacha, you asked for an overview, and I think that's super important. One thing that I think a lot of people don't understand, it's one of the most widely planted red grapes. Right. I do remember you that. You do remember I that. I do remember okay. that, yes. So it is planted in so many places because it grows pretty easily. Isn't it number one or two in Spain? It is very widely planted in Spain. I believe it's two okay. after Tempranillo uh, in terms sense. of reds. Yep. We think that the vine originated in Spain And the characteristics of it, just from a dorky viticultural perspective, is that it ripens very late. And if it's going to ripen late, you have to have a hot, dry climate. It can only do well in warm regions because if you have wetness, you're going to get high alcohol and no flavor, and it's just going to be a terrible wine. So. Does that mean it's got a bright future with climate change then? I think that's why more people have been planting it for sure. The other thing that Grenache has going for it or Grenache has going for it, it works on a lot of different soil types. So unlike Pinot Noir, which really is great on marl and very little else, I mean, it can work on a few other types. It's so so high maintenance. It is high maintenance and it's, it's very climate sensitive. You have a situation here where it can work on schist. It Mm. can work on granite. Mm -hmm. It can work on stony soils, as we see in Chateauneuf-de-Pop with the Galet Roulet, those large round rocks. In Priorat, it is on schist. The other thing is it has really strong wood and it grows 
upright. And that strong wood means that if there is wind, it can work. And where is there wind? There's wind in Chateauneuf and there's wind in the Rhone because of the Mistral. Oh, right. And in Spain, they have the wind called the Cierzo. And that also is going to whip around. So you don't have to worry if you have Granacha or Grenache because you have a strong wind tolerance and it also has drought tolerance. So in those dry summer months, it needs a little water stress to perform well. Okay, I get the I get the water tolerance, but how does it have wind tolerance? It's got really strong wood. So if it had wispy wood, yeah. you would have a problem when it started to blow around. The grapes would come off. The other thing is that they bush train in hot areas. And bush training generally is going to decrease yields And it's going to be great for flavor concentration. But that is really good for Grenache because it is capable of high yields. And keeping yields under control with Grenache is the key to good flavor concentration. Hmm. It also has a long ripening season. That means that the sugars have a chance to build. And Garnacha loves its sugars. High ABV, high the alcohol in Garnacha wines from Spain. I'm specifically saying Garnacha because Grenache in France is not made as a standalone grape. It is made in GSM blends. It can also sometimes just be Grenache and Syrah or Grenache and Mouved or Grenache and something else, but it's usually not 100%, whereas in Spain, it often is. Mm -hmm. Look, if we have not convinced you that Grenache is important, two of the world's most famous reds are made with Grenache. Chateauneuf de Pape in the Rhone and Priorat in Spain. These are two of the greatest wines in the world. And although Grenache up to this point has been so widely planted that it's been taken for granted, people have now put two and two together that these blended wines that are so famous and so important make these spectacular wines and Grenache is the base grape. So what does it add to the blends? Let What's me just it responsible talk about, for? Yeah, I'm going to talk about a little bit more about where and then we can talk about what okay. and because that's going to be important as we get into the alternatives too. Plantings in Spain are in Navarra, where you have a lot of rosé made out of it, and you have Rioja, where actually Garnacha was not planted very widely until after Phylloxera. The problem for Garnacha in Spain is that it always plays second fiddle to Tempranillo. I was going to say, when I think of Rioja, it's Tempranillo. It is. It is the main grape, but Garnacha is the backup dancer, right? Hmm. And Carignan, which is called Masuelo here, and Graciano, and there's actually a couple other native grapes that they've started to use. But the fact is, it is part of a blend. It can also be a standalone, though. So in Campo de Borja, in Calatayud, in Carignena, you're going to have a standalone Garnacha. Borsao is a really famous brand. Tres Picos, that's the same brand. But there's a lot of Garnachas from these areas that are standalone, and they are soft. They are jammy. They can be spicy. They are pretty high in alcohol, Mm -hmm. and they can be pretty full-bodied. But a lot of times, they have this beautiful red fruit. These wines can be very friendly. It's hard not to like Grenache. It's just a friendly wine. It is, and I feel like it's a safe wine to buy. It's fairly consistent, at least in my experience. I think that's why so many people like Cote de Rhone, because it's the base of most Cote de Rhone, and it is the very lovely every day wine. There's nothing about it except the high alcohol that's going to be highly objectionable. Depends what kind of day you've had. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. When we think about the blends, so in Rioja with Tempranillo, Garnacha is sometimes used and it sometimes isn't used. But in Priorat, there are these 
ancient vines growing on schist, and they make mineral intense wines that are some of the greatest wines in Spain, and the base is garnacha. Yes, they do use other things, notably Carignan, and they can use Syrah, and they can use Cabernet Sauvignon, Mm -hmm. and other things in Priorat. But the base of some of the best wines is Garnacha. And then when we see it in France, it is the base of Chateauneuf. It is the base of Gigondas. Mm-hmm. It is the base of Vaquerat. It is the base of Tavel, the rosé that I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast love. Rasteau, Caron. It is the base of all of these wines. And yes, you have Syrah and Mouved and you have Carignan and you've got other things that can be blended in. But the base is this beautiful, bright wine. And Syrah is adding some depth and color and it's adding spiciness to the Grenache. It is important to note that Grenache or Grenache is not alone in the blend mm-hmm. and that the other things do have a significant impact. But it's also very important to understand that without Garnacha or Grenache, you would not have the flavors of a Chateauneuf right, or right. of a Priorat. There are other standalones of Grenache. In Italy, the grape is called Cananao, and it oh, is right. grown in Sardinia. Now, Sardinia, they stake the claim that actually the crown of Aragon found the grape there and spread it Hmm. elsewhere around the Mediterranean basin. This is highly contested, of course, by the Spanish, and there isn't any real evidence that the grape is Italian. But the Italians continue to pursue that. So who knows? They're good scientists, and if it's true, it probably will air. Also, Australia. The history of Grenache in Australia is insane. In the 19th century, it came with James Busby, who brought vines from Europe to Australia and then to New Zealand. It was originally used for stickies, the fortified wines, but it became very, very important, especially when Dr. Christopher Ross and Penfold of Penfold introduced the grape in 1844 to South Australia. And we see it in McLaren Vale, in Barassa, in the Clare Valley. And it was the number one grape until Shiraz took over. Then in the late 20th and early 21st centuries, this century, old vine planting started to be coveted and discovered, rediscovered in South Australia. And now you have these unbelievably rich, really heavy, actually tannic wines that are full of power from South Australia. California, you sometimes see it as a standalone Washington state as well, and there are many others that I'm not listing. But it is important just to know where all these things are. It's also important to know that I mentioned that they were in the fortified wines of Australia. The Vendu Naturel of Roussillon, Banyul, which we've done a show on and right. is delicious, Marie as well in the Roussillon, are made with Grenache. Grenache is mm-hmm. the base. It ripens to very high sweet fruit levels. And that ripeness and the alcohol does great things for a wine that is fortified and still sweet and very fruity, and it's low in tannin. So all those things are great. To your question, what are the baseline flavors of Grenache? Well, we're talking about multiple styles here, and I'm going to indicate what the alternatives are to each style. But in general, it's berry flavored. That's the real characteristic of Grenache. Raspberry, strawberry is really, really strong. Okay. Black currant. You can have some cherry. And sometimes there's a touch of black pepper, but not always. Mm-hmm. As a texture, low tannins. 
generally so speaking. So wait a minute, low tannin but high alcohol, that doesn't sound very balanced. It also has medium acid. Okay. It doesn't have a lot of color either. So it is susceptible to what they call bricking. Oxidation is terrible for this wine. They try to minimize the amount of oxygen so it can turn brown around the rim. Another reason to blend it. Another reason that you blend it. One reason to also oak age it because you can stabilize color with oak. Hmm. You also get herbs and the garrigue, which is the rosemary, thyme, lavender note that you will find in the scrublands around the Rhone and in Provence. Those are evident in the Grenache in those areas. Very tasty. Here's the really counterintuitive thing. With higher yields, you're going to get something herbal and kind of minty and berry flavored. With lower yields, you'll get higher tannins and more concentration and a powerful, full-bodied wine. And that's where we're talking about Priorat, and that's where we're talking about the better Chateauneufs, and that's where we're talking about Old Vine How in Australia. How do you control the yield? You have to prune relentlessly. Okay. Or these old vines. Old vines are naturally low-yielding, and that's going to give you this yeah, really rich flavor. unfortunately, I can relate. Yep. <laughs> So with low yields, the wine can be like one of the, I'm going to, spoiler alert, is going to be like Amarone from Italy. So if you like Amarone, Hmm. higher alcohol, really rich wine, very similar. But many of them are light and luscious and lovely. With age of those that can age, especially in the Rhone and Priorat, you'll get more leather and tar flavors. And that's going to have some effect on what I recommend also for alternatives. If you want some of the greatest wines, look no further than Wine Access, our exclusive sponsor, wineaccess.com slash normal. I have been spending a lot of time working on the wine club for the next shipment. And spoiler alert, there will be some Grenache in there. So you can really get to know this grape. We put so much effort into the wine club, 150 bucks plus tax. Shipping is included six bottles. It's a great deal. Wines are all hand selected by me with the help of the team. We work to get the wines that I think you're really, really going to like. So much thought goes into this. You can't go wrong. They're excellent wines. I'm selecting them for you. And I have you in mind when I'm thinking about it. So I hope you'll think about joining wineaccess.com slash normal. And if you just want to shop and of course show your support and let them know that you found them through me, you can get 10% off your first order by going to wineaccess.com slash WFNP, where I'm about to change up the page of my favorite wines. Go to wineaccess.com slash normal. Sign up for the wine club and wineaccess.com slash WFNP. Also, Classes are constantly being posted. We have Wines of Spain, where we're going to talk about Garnacha, and we have Syrah, if you are interested in Syrah, coming up, winefornormalpeople.com slash classes, and of course, Patreon, always have to give the plug for the community, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash wineformalpeople, and now let's get back to the show. So what are we looking for when we look at alternatives to Garnacha or Grenache. I am thinking about things that are plush and lush, that have lower tannins, maybe a bit more alcohol, and a big fruit character that is lovely and easy to drink. Pinot Gris. And also red. Oh, 
Oh, oh. Although, you know, on occasion, I will recommend a white. I know and you I've, will. I've thrown I that ringer you have. in before. But that's not appropriate for Grenache. I mean, it's not like you're going to be like, yeah, Gewürztraminer. I mean, Gewürztraminer is high in alcohol or Viognier, but they are they're light years away in terms of profile. The first one that I'm going to recommend is a very easy one-to-one, and it's one that gets no play and is highly unpopular and probably would be on our that unpopular grave. sounds like me in grave. high school. <laughs> <laughs> Zinfandel or in Italy, Primitivo. Well, think about the things we're talking about. Lower in tannins, check. Plush, lush, grapefruit, check. High in alcohol, Mm -hmm. check. Zinfandel also runs the gamut. If you get lower alcohol versions, like my favorite in California, the Nall family, 13.5% alcohol, that's on the lower end. And what you have there are more raspberry, red berry fruit flavors. And then if you go really heavy and you do old vines, and you then are going to get higher alcohol, more tannic Zinfandels, and those will be more like the old vine Grenache. Don't forget about Zinfandel if you like Garnacha. And remember that there are examples of Zinfandel that are lighter. They're not all big and jammy and heavy. I hope Zinfandel comes back around because it's a great grape. It will. I don't know. I mean, you know, white Zinfandel killed it. People have such a bad impression of it. I just hope that it gets its due. It is a very tasty grape. Right. Primitivo is made in Puglia. And it seems to be more popular than Zinfandel, even though it is Zinfandel. Primitivo maybe would be a little bit on the heavier side than most Garnachas or Grenache, but I do still think it's a pretty good stand-in. Sounds like Zinfandel's mainly got a branding problem. It's not a quality problem, I'll tell you that much. And especially the people that have stuck with it, they're still making gray wine. Hmm. And there's fewer and fewer of them. The next one, okay, remember, lower in tannin, Kind of plush fruit, mm-hmm. Malbec. Ooh, yep. That really fits the criteria. Now, some of the more expensive Malbecs probably will not fit this analog, but more simplistic Malbecs from Mendoza and Argentina tend to be soft and plush. Now, the difference here is that it is a lot more dark fruit, but you don't have big tannin structure. The acidity is not high. Garnacha has a bit more zest to it. Mm -hmm. There's a bit more really noticeable red fruit. The texture, if you're a texture person like MCI says, Malbec has a similar texture and it can ripen to very high alcohol levels also in Mendoza. So you can look for that if you like the fuller body. The rest of the ones that I have are a lot lighter. Merlot. Merlot actually Mm -hmm. is a great one. The difference between Garnacha and Merlot, Merlot doesn't always ripen to those very high alcohol levels, but certainly it can get up there. And this is one of the problems they're having with it in Bordeaux. It has a medium body. It can have very high tannins, but generally speaking, it is not made in that style. They try to tame the tannins. It has moderate acidity and it has nice fruit. And a lot of times that is red fruit. Medium bodied can be very plush and lush. And on the heavier ones, like in Pomerol, for Mm -hmm. instance, those wines can be dark and serious and very intense, a la the very serious Chateau Neufs. Now, it won't taste exactly the same, but we're giving an alternative in the regard that it's soft, it's lush and plush, and it can have relatively high alcohol levels, and lots of nice red fruit. The next one is Pinot Noir, but... Oh, 
But I don't. Okay. From Santa Barbara or the Russian River Valley or some area that is not Burgundy or Alsace or Sancerre or Germany, we're talking about some of the slightly bigger wines where the acidity may be slightly lower. Pinot is not known as a highly tannic wine. The red fruit is there. Mm-hmm. The alcohol can be there. We've had Santa Barbara Pinot that is over 14% alcohol. That's not unusual at all. It has a fuller body, and it's highly aromatic. I think you could mistake Pinot from Santa Barbara Barbara, with with a Cote d'Arone or something from one of the crew in the Cote d'Arone because of the high aromatics and the richness. Certainly not from the northwestern United States, though. That No, I think I, I Oregon is a, a lot yeah. lighter in yep. most cases, or it has the cola note to it, right, which right. Santa Barbara generally doesn't have. Yep. Even the bigger styles of Oregon Pinot are not a good stand-in for Grenache. Mm-hmm. The reason that I am recommending Pinot from Santa Barbara is because it really falls very squarely into the red fruit category. I think that's a good stand-in. I love Santa Barbara Pinot. I think it's an excellent one. And a lot of Russian River Pinot. Pinot Noirs are similar in terms of side by side between those two, Russian River and Santa Barbara. Yeah, Russian River sometimes can be a little fuller and richer than Santa Barbara, but the flavors, the body, the richness, all of those work. And then in some of the lighter styles, it can work as a Cote d'Arone esque stand in. Another one, Valpolicella. Valpolicella is almost like Veneto's Cote d'Arone. They use the native grapes of that area. So they will use Corvina, Rondinella, Molinara, sometimes Corvinone. These wines have lots of cherry notes, a little bit of red berry. They use oak. You're going to get the cinnamon. If you want a Cote d'Arone style, you'll just get a regular Valpolicella. If you want something a little more serious that is a bit more like one of the crew from Cote d'Arone, mm-hmm. you might want to look at a Repasso wine where they're using some of the grape skins and the discarded grape skins and must from Amarone to give it more body. You're going to get a little bit more fullness and richness out of Valpolicella Repasso. And then if you really, really love Grenaches out of McLaren Vale or the serious Priorats or Chateauneuf, Amarone is a great stand-in for that. That is hmm. all in that same vein. But Valpolicella can get the baking spice and vanilla. If it's got some thyme and oak, you will also find that in some Chateauneuf. Nice wine, really great stand-in for Grenache or especially Grenache blends. Okay. On its own, how about Nero Davola hmm. out of Sicily? Okay. Why? Well, the simpler versions. I'm not talking about ones that are a little complex. And then most people are thinking, well, is there anything that's super complex out of Nero Davola? Nero Davola is grown in South Sicily mm-hmm. or southeastern Sicily. Is this the same Sicily that you are um, going to yes, in, I will be in May with a, with a, with a, group with of a trip? Patrons. Yeah, yes. okay. Yeah. In fact, right. yes. Another benefit of Patreon. Narrow, simple, narrow, and we drink it all the time because it's a great pizza wine and we love pizza. As any self-respecting native New Yorker would, I have to have my pizza. Wild raspberry, cherry, can be a little bit earthy. 
In some versions, it's like wild herbs. Again, like that garig, the Sicilian garig this time. They can have dark fruit. They're medium weight wines. You're not going to see a super tannic narrow. They have thin skins, like Garnacha is a thin skinned grape, mm-hmm. less tannin. They might be a little bit more acidic. Most Italian grapes have relatively high acidity, but lighter versions of narrow are great stand ins for Grenache. They're the kinds of wines that when you get them, you think, where have you been my whole life? I right. love, I mean, Nero Davila is a, a great, great wine. Now, they also do make Nero Davila in Australia. However, I can't vouch for that because I have not had versions. I know our Australian listeners are probably saying, we make it too, we make it too. Yes, I just haven't had it, so I can't speak to that. I'm speaking about the Sicilian version. And guess what? I'm saving you a lot of money here because the lighter styles are like 10 bucks. I mean, they're oh, really, really inexpensive. Oh, I mean, yeah. inexpensive, not cheap. Well, Valpolicella is not that expensive either. You can get a decent one for 15 US dollars. Pinot's well, expensive, Zinfandel's expensive. A right what about bank. Garnacha? Garnacha's not expensive either. Right. right, right, right. But I mean, all the things that I'm recommending are in the similar, similar price point. Similar price tiers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Because you Good. can also get a Merlot-based Bordeaux for not much money at all. And that will be a good stand-in for a Garnacha blend or a Cote d'Aron blend. Another one, and we're going to have to go to one of our favorite places in the world, Portugal. Nice. Alentejo. Ooh. Now, I remember going to Alentejo, which you did not go you to. Yeah, me too. Nope. And we had wines that had Alicante Boucher. Alicante Boucher, it's really looked on as like not mm-hmm. a good grape at all. But the great grape, the problem with Alicante Boucher is that it has colored flesh. It's red inside. Hmm. It's a tenterier. For some reason, people don't like those because it's like cheating because you're not getting the color only from the skins. People look at Alicante Boucher like it's the dirty little secret. I think it's a fantastic wine. I like Alicante Boucher. I don't care if I'm trashy or low class. <laughs> I mean, Jeez. there's lots of reasons for thinking that. No one would call you that yeah, anymore. Yeah, you know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Getting off Long Island really helps, right? So... Aragonesh is how they would say it in, in yes. Portugal, I, I believe. That is Tempranillo. Torriga Nacional is also in the wines of Alentejo, mm-hmm. Alfrochera Preto, Castelao, and Trincadera. They also use Syrah and they use Cabernet. So there's a lot of different things that can go into an Alentejo from Portugal. So you have to find the right blend. But one thing that is similar to a Garnacha in this case. So this would be more like the Spanish versions and less like a Cote de Rhone is that they have full body, low tannin, medium acidity. They have lots of fruit flavor. The vineyards experience a lot of sun. And as a Hmm. result of that, you're going to get full ripeness on the grapes. You will get higher alcohol levels and you will have a very friendly wine. Occasionally, if they do the blend right, it will have some freshness to it, meaning Hmm. there'll be some acidity. Those wines are similar to the Garnacha that you're going to find from Campo de Borja or Calatayud. And even though they're blends, they do have that full fruit, red fruit note that I think is very emblematic of Garnacha from Spain. All right. If you like the heavier versions, Chateauneuf, Priorat, and Old Vine Grenache from Australia, Syrah. 
Syrah is not something that will be a stand-in for Grenache in a normal capacity because most Grenache, although it has body, it has so much effusive fruit and higher alcohol. Syrah tends to have darker flavors. It can have some spice to it. It has so much body. It's one of the most tannic wines. Okay, so this sounds like a horrible recommendation. (laughs) Except that when you have these old vine grapes, remember that I said they turn into tar and herbs. Okay. And you get these very intense flavors, higher alcohol, and at low yields, the grape is tannic. So if you like those heavier wines, Syrah is a good stand-in. Remember, this is a different class. by itself. This is a different class of Grenache. We're talking about Grenache in a completely different context. The first wines, Malbec and Zinfandel and Merlot, Pinot and Neradavla and Valpolicella and Alentejo, these wines can fit into that everyday model where you're getting some nice fruit and we're able to balance it. And then even some of them will stand in for a Cote de Rhone. The ones that I'm talking about now are another ballpark. These are the heavier, powerful Grenaches okay. or Garnacha, Priorat, Chateauneuf, and Australia. And there's some in the U.S. also, but Grenache is more iconic from those three areas. Syrah fits that bill. Another one, Aglianico. Aglianico from south of Italy, especially Campania, and also Basilicata in Italy, spicy, dark fruit, can have good tannin, also be quite powerful, ages beautifully, gets a lot of complexity with age. Aglianico should be side by side with your Chateauneuf or okay. Priorat or Australian Grenache. And old vine, higher alcohol, more tannic Zinfandels, and Amarone, as I mentioned before. Mostly Italians are what I'm recommending because these wines are still fruity. They still have a lot of effusive fruit, which is what you're going to get out of a Southern Rhone or you're going to get out of Priorat. You will find fruit in these wines, and that's a real hallmark of Grenache. Lots of fruit. So you're saying we've got two different types here, two classifications, two categories. Of Grenache. Right. That we are looking for alternatives. Right. Okay. The first part of this show, Valpolicella, Nero, Pino, Alentejo, Merlot, Zinfandel, and Malbec, those are wines that we're looking for that medium-bodied Grenache where you're going to get high alcohol but mm-hmm. effusive fruit, easy to drink. These are wines that sometimes can take a chill. You're not going to sit there and meditate over them. They're not going to put a hole in your wallet, but they're going to put a smile on your face, just like Grenache does. These wines can be blended, like Valpolicella is blended, Alentejo is blended. So I tried to give a mix of this, and Merlot oftentimes will be blended with Cab Franc on the right bank. I'm trying to give you those everyday wines. Those are the basic But we also have these heavier wines, these more powerful versions of Grenache, because there's two faces to Grenache. One is the lighter style, the everyday style, the friendly style, why people love Cote de Rhone. And then there is why people love Chateauneuf de Pop and Priorat and the wines of Australia that are famed for being heavy and rich. More the fancy dinner wines? The fancy dinner wines, where you can substitute Cote Roti or mm-hmm. Saint-Joseph or Crows Hermitage, which are made from Syrah, or a great Syrah from California or Washington, you can substitute those for these richer wines. And you will see that there's a genre 
they're blended together because they taste good together. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for something different to add to the collection and you love these wines, Syrah is a good one to add. Aglianico is a good one to add. And Amarone is a good one to add. And Amarone is Valpolicella, but made a little bit differently with more concentration. So what I tried to do was find things for the everyday wines. I'm just repeating myself, but lower in tannin, some of them are higher in alcohol, so you're going to get that sensation of a richer body and had berry fruit or red fruit. Give them a try, especially if you haven't tried stuff like the Alenteju or Naradavla or Valpolicella. I mean, these are meant to be one-for-one replacements. It's extensions, if you like, Grenache or Grenache, right? Right. It is harder than Riesling. I'll say that. It is harder than Pinot. This is the most difficult alternatives to podcasts that we've done yet because I wanted to do Grenache or Grenache mm-hmm. because it's a very well-liked grape. Right. But simultaneously, it's confusing. When we talk about Riesling, we know what we're dealing with whether it be a sweet style or dry style, we know what we're dealing with. When we talk about Cabernet Sauvignon, we know what the profile of Cabernet Sauvignon is. It is a pretty steady grape. Even Pinot, we could divide it into a couple of different things and make those recommendations. Chardonnay, also a couple of different styles. But this is a blended thing. It's a not blended thing. I mean, how many it's times have we had names? to stop the podcast? And you explained to me that you're, I'm getting it confused between the different styles. At one point I said, no, we've got to make sure that everybody understands there are two different styles. Yep. And we are talking about one sort of heavy prestigious styles and the other that are everyday, which I think most of us are interested right. in, to be quite honest. <laughs> What I like about these alternatives to podcasts is, first of all, it makes me think the prep for this kind of show, I run through all the profiles of all the wines that I drink and I've had and try to do this match. And it's kind of fun for me. It's a puzzle to solve. At the end of it, what the output of my brain is, is a shopping list for you, hopefully, and Find some cool stuff if you like Cote or Garnacha that you're going to be able to get. Well, we just appreciate that you put in all the effort for us. So thank you. I hope that it was helpful. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.